I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read 26 to 33. Those verses will appear on the screen behind me. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Pines and Needles is one of the foremost providers of Christmas trees in the nation, and other providers are available. But I'm interested in the story of Pines and Needles because it begins many years ago when Josh and Sam Lyle, way back in 1995, there were then youngsters, just teenagers, 15 and 13 years of age, they came into the possession of a gift. Very famous family connections, and there in Scotland they were given a piece of land that was not being used on the estate, and, and they were told, make of it what you will. Become entrepreneurial. Do something with this. And as teenagers, they decided to move away from perhaps more ordinary, regular farming and to grow Christmas trees. And uh, eventually, uh, they began to sell some of these Christmas trees. They thought, well, we're going to go to London. So they loaded up a horse cart full of Christmas trees, made the long journey to London and began to sell them. Well, the business grew and grew and grew, and they expanded. And, and actually, in, 19, in uh, 2016, they were honored and graced by a royal visit from a very prominent royal couple, Harry and Meghan came and together bought their first Christmas tree together. And, and, and from that time onwards, they, they, they grew to a second plantation in Scotland and, and a Christmas forest, and, and they are everywhere. And one of the brothers recently on television described this whole process of that original gift of the land and said, it's a gift that keeps on giving. I think that brings us to the heart of the significance of the message that we focus on and celebrate at Christmas. The Christmas story is all about the gift that really keeps on giving and giving. It all began with the gift, the gift of a seed. We've just read how the angel Gabriel announced to Mary and other parts of the New Testament talks about the power of God overshadowing her, and she will conceive and bear a son. In other words, it began with a seed, 
which was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. And the, and the, the, the angel prophesied and said, that which is within you will be called the Son of the Most High. And the kingdom will be there. And his kingdom will go on and on and on. And it will last forever. And when we actually look into other passages in the New Testament, Jesus described this process, the tiny seed being like a mustard seed, which in all the herbs is the smallest seed. Have you ever seen mustard seeds? They're very small. And yet that small mustard seed will explode into a tree, which is the biggest tree of all, of all the herbs. And, and even beyond that, it grows and extends. And Jesus said even the birds can nest in its branches. And then uh, in Luke chapter 4, there is another parable that comes straight after the parable of the mustard seed. And it's talking about the leaven, the, the yeast that is put into a lump of dough. And as you knead the dough, the yeast spreads into every single part of the dough. What this tells us is that the kingdom of God, though it begins small, shall be great. It shall cover the earth and the glory of God will be manifested. What took place 2,000 years ago was only the beginning and the ripple effect is with us today and the kingdom of God is growing and will continue to grow and grow and grow and grow, but it will not manifest in its full and final form until Jesus returns and the kingdom of God will explode in universal manifestation. Even the heavens will be changed and the earth will be changed and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth and God's kingdom will impact the whole of the universe. The kingdom of God is not just about the rescue mission that Jesus was on to lift us up out of a decaying and soon to be defunct earth. His mission was to bring the kingdom down so that the rule of God will be established all over the earth and ultimately we will be transformed and everything will be transformed and God will be reunited with earth, and his dwelling place will be with us here with humanity. Heaven will still continue, but heaven will come down. That's what it's all about. Heaven comes down, and God dwells with us. Now, I've mentioned that the kingdom of God begins with a seed. That's small by any estimation. Small. And this seed is a gift. And when we receive this gift by faith into the soil of our lives or the womb of our spirit, and I'm looking around and seeing a number of men who are feeling very uncomfortable at the moment, I, 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 I will take you into farming in a moment, but right now I want to give you some lessons in gynecology and obstetrics. <laughs> Every man, please, if you have the courage, place your hand here over your tummy. Every man do that. Would you do that? And turn to the person next to you and saying, say, I am pregnant. <laughs> and if you are married to this man, 
or you yourself have had a baby in your life, mum, go back to him and say, now you know what I felt like, all right? <laughs> well, that's a, a, I think we, we, it's good to use the image, which is the biblical image here of Mary's womb, um, uh, and the seed was planted there because we're talking about life and growth. We could also use the, the gardening or, or the farming analogy, and the soil of our lives receives the seed of God's word. But it always comes as a gift, but that gift keeps on growing and growing and giving and giving and giving. So I want you today to make a conscious decision not to despise the small things of the kingdom, the little things, the detail things. The angel is always in the detail, to twist that well-known proverb. The angel is in the detail. And, and the details to which God attends uh, and, and nurtures his mission on the earth, and, and that detail reaches to every single individual in the world. He's so detailed that he hasn't forgotten you among the seven, eight, or soon to be nine billion people on this planet. And when we serve God on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm sure you find it, whatever, however exciting your job is, and I want you to look at me and be highly, highly envious because I have the most exciting and most wonderful job on the planet. I know you'll never, ever have a wonderful job like mine. But anyway, I'm sure your job to you is as wonderful to you. But even in those wonderful jobs, the wonderful vocations and callings or, or the way you serve God in the wider marketplace in the community, you are bound to know that there are Details which take place on a daily basis, and sometimes it can be more like a sense of duty, uh, and the details are difficult, and let's face it, sometimes boring. And in the kingdom of God, it's the same thing. Every day is a new day, a fresh day. Tomorrow is a new day, a fresh day. And I want you to go out tomorrow knowing that the seed of God is in you. And that will mean that as you take care of the details, the details in your life, the day-to-day -day detailed, disciplined things of life, out of that great things grow. The brothers who I spoke about earlier in their farming venture, for most of the year, it's about planting and growing and caring and looking after and planning and living off the harvest of the previous year. And then there comes a massive time of busyness. But most of the year is spent in unattractive detail. And most of our lives are spent there. And we can take delight in the detail as God takes delight in details. What are the details you have to attend to? that you can delight in, because you're doing it for Jesus. You're doing it in the name of the kingdom and as a way in which the kingdom manifests through you. But remember, too, that if you don't despise the small things of the kingdom, you will understand this, that that which is within you shall become great. Because, yeah, give God praise. It, it shall be, it's got to become great. The book of John says that God's seed remains in us 
Think about that. A seed carries all the characteristics of the plant, the fruit, or the tree that it belongs to. And we have the seed of God on the inside. It is a treasure which is of inestimable value. The gift of God is Christ living in us. It's the seed of his word. It's the seed of the person of Jesus. It's the seed of the Holy Spirit. And so not only are you pregnant, but you are carrying something precious that one day will take over the whole world. Amazing, isn't it? Not that we'll work and work and work and things will get better and better and then suddenly the kingdom will appear. No, we have to go through tests and trials and tribulations, but what we carry within us is going to be great. We are on the winning side. We're on the victory side. We're on the right side of heaven and we're on the right side of God. And that is what counts. Amen and amen. Every other plan, every other kingdom will come to nothing. We are part of God's one and only plan for the earth. And that outlasts everything. Where there are kingdoms, they shall fall. Where there are governments, they shall fall. No prediction about current British politics. Just a a statement uh, uh, in general. Because God has come down not to take sides, but to take over. He hasn't come down to back human programs of government, economics, and social reform. Although we should be part of that which produces good fruit in the earth. God has come not to share his rule. God has come to bring his rule. And that is how the kingdom works. Now, if that's the case, many of you might rightly say, hmm, where is it? Don't look like much of a glorious kingdom to me. Well, I tell you this. It doesn't yet appear how it will appear one day. It's rather like the people who watched the Israelites trudge through the wilderness in those 40 years of testing after Moses rescued them from the oppression of Egypt. They didn't go immediately into the promised land, or that's another story, and they didn't have the faith to do that, but but God was faithful to them, and, and actually what was happening was that God was leading them with his presence. God came in the cloud of his glory, and in the daytime, it was like a shelter from the heat, and in the nighttime, it was aerial, centrally, central heating systems. But very few people would have noticed that unless they looked up. If they just looked at an earthly level, they would see these people pack up every so often what was the tabernacle that pre fabricated portable tent cathedral called the tabernacle in the Old Testament times before the temple was built in Jerusalem. And that was their house of worship. It was the place where God rested, where God dwelt, where God manifested his glory. But even that was covered by badger skins. Nobody could see it from the outside. In fact, only one person twice on the same day, once a year, would enter into the most holy place and be in the immediate presence of God and required blood sacrifice as an atonement for sins in order for that to happen. But it was all very largely invisible to the external world. And when they packed it all up and began to carry it on their shoulders, everything was wrapped up in badger skins, badger skins. Now, I don't know... Uh, I don't know, I, I, I can't remember the last time 
I met a badger. Uh, but anyway, uh, my, uh, these are brown, ugly, not creatures, but their fur. I mean, it's it, very hard to make it into a fashion icon. Uh, and maybe if you could, you shouldn't. Anyway, but never mind. There it is. There they were, totally unattractive, totally unassuming to the outside world. And that's how the world sees us. The Bible says the reason it does not know us is because it did not know him. And those who did not know him do not know us. They don't know who we are. Thank God we got to know who we are. They don't know who we are. They see us as a bunch of nomads, despised, rejected, and with no place to go. But look up, look up. The presence of God is hovering over his people, often rebellious, nearly always ungrateful, yet precious to God, the almighty God. And that same God of the Bible that manifested in the fire and the, and the glory of God is the same God who tabernacles amongst us because his seed is in our hearts. Badger skins in the desert, but look up and you will see we are being led and governed and providentially cared for by a loving God who calls us far, who calls us his sons and we call him our father. So we don't despise the day of small things. We understand why people find it so easy to, to kind of bypass or ignore. Have you, have you noticed, it seems that some people have developed, maybe some of your friends are like this, God bless them, we love them anyway, some of my friends are like this. They are so skilled in ignoring the good stuff that God is doing in your life. And it might be not you're trying to preach to them, but out of joy. Look, God has done this. It's, oh, well, probably a coincidence, you know. <laughs> or, or I had an answer to prayer. Well, well, that's okay for you. You pray, I meditate. Okay. So they seem to find it difficult to discern the presence of God. Um, and one of the ways they do it is, oh, this is the most condescending way, bless them, bless them, is like, oh, how very nice for you. <laughs> now, what they mean by that, you and not me. And you press it a bit further, oh, oh that's, that's your truth, I have my truth, that's your reality, my reality is different. What is up with this reality? Do you know what? I've <laughs> got to expose this. You can't have two equally correct versions of reality. You can't. Reality is reality is reality is reality. And so if Jesus came to this planet and that really happened, and if he really is the son of God, no amount of living in your reality will protect you from the truth of the reality of the ultimate reality whose name is Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, anyway... What, we, what, what we're encouraged to, uh, about is, is that even though it's hidden now, it's going to become great. Think about, think about Jesus. Now, when he was conceived supernaturally into the virgin womb of Mary, what happened was totally invisible. Now, after a while, the pregnancy begins to show there are biological effects and so on, but it remains hidden. Maybe, well, not maybe, definitely, there is growth, and you can soon tell 
whether the lady is pregnant or not. Be very careful, pastor. Just a little word of pastoral advice. Never pray for a woman who you think is pregnant unless you know she really is. Woman came forward and I said, may I pray for your baby? She says, I'm not pregnant. So anyway, no, seriously, you can't jump to conclusions. You can't jump to conclusions. Anyway, by that account, half the men in this house are definitely pregnant. (laughs) And it comes to, oh, come on, lighten up a little. Okay, all right. Even the doctor is holding his breath. Well, it does show there are bumps and lumps and all that kind of stuff. And then it manifests. When it manifests, it manifests through labor, and then there is a delivery, and then there is the joy, and that little baby grows and grows and grows, becomes a man or a woman, and takes their place. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus, but only a whole lot more beside. Because this was no ordinary baby. This is the gift of God, the kingdom of God come down in the flesh. And as Jesus began to be manifested to the world, so the kingdom is also being manifested. And so like a ripple in, that's caused by a stone falling into a pond, that ripple effect goes on and on. And it not, not just continues, but it gathers momentum and speed and volume. And so what begins as a ripple will end as a tsunami of God's blessing and revival which will sweep in the nations of the world. And we are part of that tidal wave of God's purposes. And I believe God has still yet more grace for our city. I feel ready to to share this in some sense a bit premature. But uh, last night, as I woke up in the middle of the night, and went back to bed, just relaxing and thinking. I saw some beautiful things. I did. Saw some beautiful things. The Grace for the City booklet, as you know, is talking about God's grace despite the outpouring of his anger at a society that is rejecting him. But God is sending the angels of his deliverance and his victory, his warring angels, to fight on behalf of his people. Amen and amen. It's coming. Good stuff is coming. Thank you, Jesus. That which is within you shall become great. Not necessarily as the world sees greatness immediately. Global empires world-renowned people, places, things, Nobel Prize winners, Oscar winners, Golden Boot winners, Emmy Award winners, mega pop stars. Not that we couldn't or shouldn't become these things. But our kingdom is not from this world. It does not manifest through outward and obvious shows of power popularity, or personality. But quietly and doggedly, every step, we follow the cloud. And that brings us to the influences of the kingdom. 1 John 3 verse 9, 
says that God's seed remains in us. We've received that seed, the seed of God by faith. The gift of God that keeps on giving. And when that seed is received by faith, the first manifestation is life. It's a biological fact, not just a biological, a biological fact. That life begins at conception. Doesn't mean to say that the human being in the womb is fully formed and so on, but life, biological life, begins at conception. And when you conceive the word of God and receive his gift by faith, life comes and you are made alive from the inside out. And that life leads to growth, which means you become more and more consistent with what you're carrying inside. And that's, that's what it's about. That's what growth is about. So we take a lady who perhaps in the very early days of pregnancy, not much changes. She needs to know that she's pregnant, so she, she will make sure she doesn't take alcohol and all the other things. And, and then medical science tells us a whole list of things that you should and shouldn't do when you're pregnant, which means that you are living on the outside in a way that's consistent with what's going on on the inside. That is Christian growth. That's what it's all about. And we grow progressively. And it bears fruit. The greatest of this fruit is love. The love of God. The love of the kingdom. The Greeks had eight words, eight different words for love. We kind of have just one word, really. Love. I love tea. I love coffee. I love football. I love God. And I love hamburgers. All in the same sentence. But you see, God's love is best suited to that word agape, which is the Greek word which they used for selfless, unconditional love. And that is used exclusively in the New Testament for the love of God. And it's that love. All the other loves, many of them have a place. But that love, the love of God, that unconditional love of God that we receive, the unconditional love of God that we give to one another, the unconditional love of God by which we love the unlovely and the unlovable and we do the unthinkable and the church is the servant of God on this planet and it's the agape love of God that will take us where nobody else will go because we love and we care and that's the kingdom of God. And this moves forward. <laughs> You've got to be quicker than that. This moves forward to the ripple effect in our lives. The influence. The influence that we have. And it's going to impact our families, our communities, our cities, our nations. Jesus' life began as a small, insignificant speck in obscurity. The obscurity of his mother's womb. The time came when he was manifested as the prophet, not any old prophet, but the prophet who was to come and the son of God, the savior of the world. His public ministry begin, began to touch thousands and thousands, but he focused on 12, just as we do in our cell group ministry. We focus on the small 
group, not despising that, but seeing those groups grow and multiply. And that's what happened. These 12 disciples became apostles to the nations, and so much so that down through the years, the ripples have gone on from generation to generation until they have touched our life also, not merely as an historical figure who lived 2,000 years ago, but Jesus Christ, our contemporary, who lives now within us by his Holy Spirit. And therefore his seed remains in us. And now those effects of him in us impact on us and through us become ripples that affect great changes in our society and our community. Oh, so yes, he is the gift that keeps on giving and shall continue to give and give and give and give and give again until the whole world is impacted. And those who choose to receive his gifts shall along with those gifts given by him come into the fullness of his kingdom.